0: Today's Shir uh, is L'Ilunishmas Matisia Mordechai ben Yoisez and Yirmiyahu ben Yehuda. And for a uh, Rafua of Reformer uh, Ben uh, ben Liat. Um, today's Daf is Daf Samachai. I'm going to go from the second line at the top of the page, um, eight, uh, 65a. So remember the Mishnah, the previous Mishnah, listed a whole a few items that a person is allowed to go out with on Shabbos. So one of the things mentioned was, some cotton wool in her ear. Tani rahmi b'ayahezka, rahmi b'ayahezka, from Reis, it has to be tied into her ear. I um, It has to be tied into her ear. Now there's a very interesting point that they bring out from this, is we mentioned a few, um, we mentioned at the beginning of the Peric. There seemed to be two main reasons of determining why women weren't allowed to go out with certain um, jewelry and accessories. The one reason was it's uh, um, the one reason was is they might take it off and show their friend. So anything beautiful like jewelry and things like that that are that are easily taken off and that a woman will show to a friend is also for a woman to go out with on Shabbos. A second category was things that she would take off if she had to go to the mikvah. So now the question is, we know when a woman or anyone who's going to the mikvah, you're not allowed to have chatzitsi, you're not allowed to have something stopping the water from uh, touching your body. So how can a woman be allowed to wear this cotton wool in her ear? Granted, she's never going to take it out to show her friend, um, but she might have to go to a mikvah and she'll take it out and end up carrying So many, this is one of the sources in that discussion that someone who bring that cotton in the ear would not necessarily be be a chatzitsa. And the reason is because, I mean, Rav Moshe Feinstein has a very interesting distinction. He says there's two types of chatzitsa. He says there's a chatzitsa that like sticks to the body, nail polish, paint, mud, those sort of things. And then there's a chatzitsa, like cotton wool in the ear or something like that, that would just block the water from getting to that place. And he wants, Moshe wants to say that the second type is not considered a real chatzitsa, and therefore in times of a great necessity, where a woman has to go to mikveh with cotton wool in her ear, this would be one of, the, the, that might be a lenient, uh, a lenient opinion to rely on. And the interest, yeah, before, I mean, before you rely on that, check with your rabbi, but that would be uh, um, an interesting point that comes out from this uh, line in the Gemara. Then the Mishnah mentioned of a moch, it's a piece of cotton in her shoe. Let's say she's getting blisters or something and she wants to put some cotton in her shoe. So If it's sandals, it has to be well tied because it might slip out and she'll carry it or something like that. So what about a moch for her nidah? A piece of cotton or material that she puts to stop her her blood um, going on her skin. And um, when she's in niddah. So, mm-hmm. Rami Ba Yehezgil wanted to thought. That, uh, Rami Rami wanted to say, maybe the moch has to be tied on. Just like we saw by the moch in the ear and the shoe, it has to be tied on. So, so to this moch that she's putting to stop her niddah blood should be um, tied on. So, pisha He says, No, even if uh, with this moch for her damn niddah, she doesn't have to have a... Um, she doesn't have to have it tied on because since it's ma'us, um, it's uh, disgusting, she won't come to carry it. What would be the halacha if she makes uh, some sort of handle, something to carry this mochba? This moch is some sort of tampon. Um, so if she carries, makes a handle to carry it, you might think that her, it's not as disgusting to hold anymore. So it would have to be tied onto her so she doesn't come to carry it. So Omar oh, said to her mutar. No, it's mutar. And it my name. Om Baroshia. Om Yochanan. Baroshia says in the name of Rebbe Yochanan. Beisyan, mutar. If she made a handle for her moch, for her nidda, it's still mutar. As we said, because even though it's less disgusting, it's still disgusting. And she's not going to come to carry it. But the one in her ear... Or the one in her shoe she might end up carrying and therefore she would not be allowed to wear them unless they were fitted, uh, tied securely. Then the Gomorrah going back to the moch in the ear, the cotton wool in the ear. Um, Rabbi Yochanan went with cotton wool in his ear to the base Medrash. The Gamora says the Rashi explains he was elderly and uh, he had a lot of uh, earwax. So he had to put uh, cotton wool there. V'chol kin alov chaverov and all his... Um, colleagues argued and told him he's not allowed to do that. Russia has two ways. Let's just go with the one way that the reason they argued on him is because he went with it not tied on. He just walked to the base medrash, and we just learned to the Mishnah, you're not allowed. We learned from Rami Valhezkel, you're not allowed to go into out into the public domain unless it's fitted, unless it's tied on this cotton wool in your ear. So, um. Th- and then we bring a similar story. Rabbi Yanai went into the karmelis with it a place that's even also to carry the Rabbonin and all the sages of his generation argued on him so the Gemara asked but now how could Rabbi Yochanan and Rabbi Yanai go out with these items it says it has to be tied in your ear so how could they go out with it just fitted in the ear. So, No, nah, the difference is, is it fixed well or not? Is it firmly, is it put in the ear firmly or not? If it's put in the ear firmly, well then, Rebbe Yochanan Rebbe hold you don't have to tie it. If it's only put in loosely, that it might fall out, okay, then you have to tie it. And that's where Rami Bayochezkel said you had to tie it. Just interesting, just to remind us, I don't know if you all got to do yesterday's stuff, but we saw um, in yesterday's stuff there was an interesting machlokas, are you allowed to go out into the domain, into a Chotze, where there would be an Erev or something, or a Carmelis, with all these items that the Rabbis have said you're not allowed to carry? I granted, you know, all these items we've been discussing have really, the focus has been going into the Rishush Harabbim with them, public domain, that if you'd come to carry it, it would be a Isut Araisa. Does it pl- apply even when you're going to somewhere where to carry it would be an Isu Rabbonin, Or into the courtyard where you might carry it into Rishus Arabim? And that was the Machlokas in the Gomorrah. And that's what Rabbi Yana, even though he only went into a place that was also to carry Darabonin, all his colleagues argued on him and says, No, you're not even allowed to go with all these items that we say you're not allowed to carry. You're not allowed to go out into, even into where it would only be Osu Darabonin. Okay, now carrying on with the items mentioned in uh, Mishnah. So this is of a people of a Gilgal Melach. A woman can go out with pepper in her mouth, peppercorns, or uh, a a block of salt, a clot of salt. Uh, I don't know what the word is, uh, a block of salt. And the reason she would do this is either for like bad breath, she would keep some pepper in her mouth, or uh, some sort of uh, sickness. So, should put pepper in her mouth to prevent bad odor from her mouth, and Gilgal Melech, the Dushani. And uh, this uh, Gilgal of salt was because of Dushani, some sort of tooth disease. So, these items. Now, why are they not a Masui? Why are they not considered a burden and you carrying them? Again, we basically said it has to be clothes or jewelry or something like that to not be considered carrying in a burden. So, the Gomorrah explains, since they're necessary for the person, for a fuah for therapeutic purposes, not, the woman won't come to remove them. And therefore, she's not likely to carry them. So, these items, again, they um, they're, are considered accessories because she'll keep them on her and she won't come to carry them. Then it says senes lepe, le anything she puts into her mouth so the Gomorrah gives examples Zangvila I nami for example ginger or cinnamon that she would put in her mouth again to prevent bad breath those things would also be allowed. Then we says um, then the Mishnah mentioned Shain Toi Teves Shein a false tooth of gold. Rebi Matir Chachamim Oisrim. Rebi says a woman or person's allowed to go out with a golden a golden a gold false tooth. And the chachomim say they're not allowed to. Now Omar Rebizaire zof. Rebi Rebizaira says this is specifically gold. Aval kesef Divra kol mutar. If it's a silver false tooth, everyone would agree she can go out with it on Shabbos. Tanya Nami hachi. and we have a Bryce which teaches the same thing, but kesef Kesev divra kol Mutar. If the false tooth is made out of silver, everyone permits it. Rabbi If it's of gold, then Rabbi says it's permitted, and the Chachamim say it's osur. Why is there a difference between gold? Why would why would the Chachamim say a silver tooth she can go out with, but a gold she can't? So Rashi gives two explanations. The first one he gives is gold. Yeah, If the first opinion he gets from his rabies is that gold sticks out more, whereas silver is more similar to the color of her teeth. So she's more likely to become embarrassed or teased because of a gold tooth, and therefore she'll come to remove it to save herself from that embarrassment and come to carry it, unlike a gold tooth, unlike a silver tooth, which is pretty similar to the rest of her teeth. Rashi says he thinks that the reason is because... Um, A gold tooth is more valuable and more special. So she's more likely to show off a gold tooth, take it out and carry it, than she would a silver tooth, which is pretty regular and plain. And therefore, so that's why um, Rashi says, a woman cannot go, that's why we would make a distinction. A gold tooth, more likely to carry it, and therefore she's not allowed to go out with it on Shabbos. A silver tooth, she would not go out with it on Shabbos. Amr Abaya says, Rebbi Verebi Eliezer Shimon Ben Elazar Kul Sphir Lahu Rebbi Rebbi Eliezer Shimon Ben Elazar hold all for the following principle bay anything that would embarrass, that's just degrading, a woman's not likely to show her friends. And therefore, she would be allowed to go out with it on Shabbos. And now we're going to show where by each of those sages, this principle, again, something that's a bit embarrassing to the woman, she's never going to show off. And therefore, remember, what's our whole concern with the woman with her accessories and her jewelry and stuff like that? It's that she's going to want to show it off to her friends. So as soon as you get rid of that uh, concern, then all these opinions, like, for example, it's something embarrassing, or she'll be embarrassed if she takes it off, then uh, we wouldn't have the concern that she's going to take it off and come to carry it, so she would be allowed to wear it on Shabbos. Where do we see this? So, Rebbe, you heard Rebbe, as we just said, Rebbe said she's allowed to go out with a gold tooth because she's not going to come to show it to anyone because it's embarrassing. She's missing a tooth and it's embarrassing to show your, that you're missing a tooth and your false tooth teeth, so she'll never remove it, and therefore she's allowed to wear it on Shabbos. Rebbe Eliezer, where do we see Rebbe Eliezer also held for this principle? Titania, Rebbe Eliezer, Poiter. But cool but of its pyton. says she's allowed to go out with Koveles of its sluchel pyton or a flask of that oil. Remember this was she had bad odor, so she wore this uh, fair, this perfume sack or little flask around her neck. That again, it's to mask her odor. So she's never going to come off to show her, friend because it's in, her friends because it's embarrassing that she has this uh, odor. And so we see that same principle. And then a third Rebbe Shimon ben Elazo we see holds us. The Tanya Klal Omer Rebbe Shimon ben Elazo called Shehu Lamata Min Savcha Any accessories that the woman wears under her woolen hat, Yoitzeh Bo, she's allowed to walk out on Shabbos with it. La Min Savcha If it's worn above the woolen hat, she's not allowed to go out with it. Again, we're most likely speaking about a married woman and she wouldn't want to uncover to get anything under this woolen hat that was used to cover her hair. She'd have to uncover some of her hair. So she's going to be embarrassed to do that. She's never going to do it. And therefore, any accessory that's worn under this woolen uh, hat, this beanie, she can go out with on Shabbos. Unlike something that's worn on top of it which she might take off and show her friend. Okay. New Mishnah. Yotzav b'sella. Yeah, these are further items that a person's allowed to carry on Shabbos. So Yotzav Shalat Sinis, She can go out with a seller as a coin on a certain on her wound on sinis. We'll see more about that in the Gemara. A young girl can go out with strings and even with splinters, Sheba's name in their ears. Rashi explains that they used to pierce their ears when they were younger, but they weren't always given jewelry till they were a bit older. So they would wear a string in their ear or a splinter in their ear to... Um, to keep the hole from sealing up the ear ear, when they pierce the ears um, he says but he points out very interesting if you notice it says she can go out with a string in her ear and she can even go out with a splinter with a wooden chip in her ear to keep the hole. So Rashi asks why does it say a filu? Why does it say even a chip? So he points out because you might have thought at least the string in her ear is a little bit of a decoration. It's a little bit of jewelry. And this wooden splinter is nothing. It's not an adornment for her. So maybe she wouldn't be allowed to wear it on Shabbos. Right? Yes, that's what the Mishnah is teaching us. Is that no. Since many, many girls do this. Wear this chip of wood. the splinter of wood in their ear. It's called, it's considered the norm. And therefore, she would be allowed to go out with it on Shabbos. Even though you're right. It's not really a piece of jewelry. An adornment. Okay. Then I... Arabios Ruulos, Arabian woman, but obviously an Arabian Jewish woman, Yoitzos can go out with this Ruulos. Ruulos is what they wear to cover their faces. explains what they wear to cover their faces. I think we call it a burqa or a hijab, what they cover their faces with. A woman who lives in those lands is allowed to go out with that on Shabbos. Um, I'll come back to that point shortly. Umidios Purupos, and women from Midian can go out with their garment fastened with a stone. Really, anyone can go out with those garments. Just the Chachamim speaks in the most usual manner. I, anyone can wear, a, any woman can wear a Burqa on Shabbos. It's not considered a Masu, It's considered clothes. And any woman can fasten their garments. I'll explain this shortly. Like the Medians would. Just when the Mishnah mentions the Arabian Jews and the Median Jews, that's because they were the ones who normally used it like this. Um, that's why it mentioned it. But really, any woman in any country can go out with it considered clothes. What's um, this umidyois purupois? Uh, this woman from Modai can wear their clothes properly. So they used to clip their scarf or their dress closed. But how, sometimes what they would use for the button, we'll see shortly in the Mishnah, was they would put like a little stone or a nut or a coin in the material so that it would make a bulge. And then they would clip that on with the strap. So that's what that stone or uh, thing that's used as a button that's in that's just folded into the dress is not considered a burden. It's part of the clothes. And therefore it's a button for all intents and purposes. Granted, it's just folded into the garment and then the strap is pushed over it. Um, yeah, if you can imagine like a stone like that, and then you have a strap on the other end of the garment and you Force it over exactly like a button, um, but the stone that's in there to make it a bulge and not a bigger knot that it clips, that it fits firmly, is just balancing in the garment. It's still not considered a load because it's there to hold it in place. Um, then one is propois ala v'ala valamat Yeah, if she fastens it over a stone a nut or a coin, and this is as long as she doesn't do this on Shabbos. First time she has to do it on Arab Shabbos. We'll discuss in the Gemara that the first line seems to say a woman can go out pro and the second line seems to say not only if it was set up fastened in place before Shabbos. So that will go into the Gemara. Just two other two interesting points from this Mishnah is earlier on in the previous half we had a concern that women weren't that there certain things a person can't do because they might do it as a trick, an excuse to carry it out on Shabbos and it's Maris Ayin. Um, where was um? So it was on the end of the previous death. Oh, I've, I've got, I've, I'm drawing blanks. I've gone blank. But there was, so we mentioned that she's not allowed to go out with it because they might go out with it, but really with intent to carry it, not to wear it. So here we don't have that concern because it's so normal and it's really part of the clothes to such a degree that a woman, when like it's very rare, very unlikely that a woman would. Transport a nut by clipping it into her clothes as a button. So that's why it would be buta. Just a very interesting thing here. Um, Rashi, when describing the Arabian woman, so he says they wrap it and they don't cover their eyes. It wraps around their face with leaving their eyes open. So many want to bring, you know, when we put on our talus, we put it that we cover our whole face, we wrap it over our head, wrap it round. And then we wear it, put it back over our shoulders. Um, so wh- why do we do that? Because the Gomorrah learns, and it's brought in Shulchan Aruch, that we first wrap it like Yishma Eilim, like Arabs wear it. So according to Rashi, you should, when you're putting it over, to someone you bring from this Rashi, you should not be covering your eyes. You should never put it over your eyes, because that's not how the Arabs worn their Kefir they used to wear it just covering their face and leaving their eyes open like we see Rashi. But many other poskim, which is how we seem to Pasukim say no often the Yishma'elim would cover their whole face and that's because why would they do that? Because of the sand. Granted generally you want to see but here they would cover their whole face to sometimes to stop the sand blowing in their eyes and that's how most of us do it when we put on our talus we put it, we put it even below our uh, eyes. Okay now, going into the Gemara, the Gemara asks, my tzinnis, we said a woman can put this, a person can go out with this um, coin on her wound. So, he says, bas ara, some sort of uh, um, injury on the heel of her foot. It says, why specifically does not mention a coin? So, eleme kol mirida, kushe, maybe it's because, um, yeah, why specifically a coin? Why can't she use something else? If you want to say that she needs something hard to protect her injury, well then just use a piece of uh, shard of pottery, why use a coin? So it must be that the, the coin makes uh, makes her sweat a bit. So so then use a silver plate. Why use a specific why use a why use a coin? Use a silver, a piece of silver to cause that uh, sweat. So it must be because of the image, the image on the coin that helps us. Says It says, Well, then make a pulsa, then make her a pulsa, a wooden uh, chip with, the, a wooden coin with the image on it. Says It says, Abayah says, We see from here that they all help her. Aye? She needs all of it. Um, it's the three factors that help this injury. One is that it's hard. Secondly, that the metal makes it Sweat, moisture, produce moisture in a certain way. And the image on the coin helps. So you need all three factors. Um, interestingly, they want to bring out um, from here, some, some of the commentaries want to bring out from here on Shulchan Aruch that that uh, it specifically, we see it's not good enough that it just uh, protects the wound. It also has to help heal the wound. And therefore, going out with something wrapped on your body that's just to protect the wound might actually be a problem of carrying but if it's there to heal the wound, then you're very unlikely to remove it, very unlikely to show anyone, and therefore you would be allowed to go out with it on Shabbos. Then it says, bechutin. Um, uh, Young girls can go out with these strings hanging through uh, in their ear. Now the Gemara is going to bring three, um, three things that Avur de Shmuel, the father of Shmuel, used to do regarding his daughters. And it's going to discuss each of them. So, what are the three things? So, he did not allow his daughters to go out with these um, cloths, material in their ears. Again, okay, remember to prevent the hole from clo- these threads in the ears to prevent the, holes from, the hole in the ear from closing, the, pierce- the piercing in the ear. He did not allow them to sleep next to each other. V'ovidluhu, mikvaz beyome nisan, he would make mikvahs for them in Nisan, Umat be beyome tishrei and mats in Tishrei. We'll discuss that more when we get to it. So the first one we mentioned is Loy Shoviklu Yoitzes He wouldn't allow his daughters to go out with these threads in their ear. She says, But we learned clearly in a mission that girls are allowed to go out with these threads in their ears. Why did Shmuel not allow his daughters to go out with them? She says, No, the daughters of Shmuel had colored threads. They kind of made it into earrings. And therefore it's like jewelry. And all jewelry, a woman's not allowed to go out, or even a girl's not allowed to go out with any jewelry because they might come to show their friend. The second one we mentioned was, He gano- g- wouldn't allow them to sleep with each other in the same bed. This seems to be a support for Rafuna. Rafuna says, Women who rub themselves against each other together. So that, um, for the sake of Tashmish, so it says, psula is the Kohuna apostle to Kohanim. Um, yeah. And lo, lo, not necessarily. And, oh yeah, Rashi explains because a kohangodal has to marry a basula and a girl who's had the tashmish in this way with another girl is not considered basula anymore to the degree that she's not allowed to marry a kohangodal. Toys will say, Nah, it could be actually it could be actually for any Kahain and a girl like this we actually learned this in the in this past week 's parish um a Kohen is not allowed to marry a zona who a girl who falls into the category of a zona would not be allowed to marry a Kahain and Tos is one to suggest that maybe um a, go- um a girl who is misuleles is not is considered um a zona in regards to these Halochan would not be allowed to marry a coin. He says, No, that's not what the Gomorrah is coming to teach. What's the coming to teach? He says, No, he didn't want his daughters to get used to the comfort of sleeping next to another body because then they were very likely to come to sleep with other men, um, to, I guess, cuddle with other men, which would lead to all other problems. So that's why he did not want his daughters to... uh, have this practice. Then the third one we mentioned is mikvah nisan. They, He would make mikvahs for them in Nisan and then just so we can go back and mats for them in the days of Tishrei. Now there's an interesting Machlok as Rashi and tells us on the previous page what were those mats? So the, the mikvah, we know he'd gather a collection of rainwater for, all, for his daughters to go to mikvah in but what were the purpose of the mats? So Rashi learns the purpose of the mats is if when they were going to mikvah in the river there's a concern that they would walk onto the into the river and be standing in mud and then they would get mud on their feet and it would be a chatzitz and not a proper going to mikveh. So he put these mats in the river so that uh, he would put these mats in the river so that they would uh, not be walking on mud and it would be a good mikveh. Tosfos learned, no, that's not the concern. Tosfos learned, the concern is that if going to the mikveh in a river is a public place, and therefore women would be embarrassed and hurry, rush to do it, so that there's less chance of them being caught um, undressed going to mikveh in the river, and therefore they would, uh, he would put up these mats, these screens, so that they would have privacy, and then they wouldn't be in a rush, and they would make sure to go to mikveh properly. Yeah. Okay, so let's go on. So he says he would make mikvahs for them in Nisan. Why would he make mikvahs for them in Nisan? Why couldn't they go in the river anymore? So he says, This is a support for Rav. The Omar Rav, Rav says, Sahari When there's rain in Eretz Israel, the Pras River, the Euphrates, is a big witness to it. Either Jews in Babel could know when there was Mick raining when it was raining in Israel because the river press would swell. It says and he and he was concerned that there would be too much rainwater over the flowing water. I watched that. So we know there are two types of I mean, we would use a ger- generic term mikvahs, but there's actually what's called a maya and a mikvah. A mikvah is gathered water, like rain, rainwater has to be gathered, okay, gathered in a certain way, but gathered in a hole, let's just say for, sim- for simplicity, a hole in the ground, and it's not allowed to flow. So rainwater flowing in a river is actually a possible river, in invalid mikvah. The other type of mikvah that we would have would be called a mayan, a stream. A spring from a spring. Now that is allowed to flow. So rivers, when they're just getting their water from their spring source, are kosher for a woman to go to twila in. But if it rains too much and the river swells, that is now a majority rainwater. Then it's not a kosher mikveh anymore because it's rainwater that is flowing, which is not kosher. The rainwater has to be um, contained for it to be a kosher mikveh for a woman for a person to go to twila in. So therefore. Um, Shmuel's father, Avudah Shmuel, was concerned that when there was water in the Euphrates, that most of that water would be rainwater, and therefore he didn't want his daughters going to mikveh in the river, and he built actual mikvehs for them. He didn't want them to go to do tefillah in the mikveh in the in the river. He wanted them to do one thing. But in Tishrei which is right at the end of the dry season, he says, okay, for Tishrei you can go in the river. Because in Tishrei there's very little chance that there's rainwater or a significant amount of rainwater and the mikveh is all spring water and you can go for it. Yes, that's all. I'm I'm not sure. I'm assuming... No. Yeah. And if it's unmarried daughters, why are they going to mikveh? So, um, yeah, I'm not sure I'm not sure. um, the Sugi is brought up a few places, maybe it's discussed more at length, like uh, so where um where else they discuss it in in Dorium and stuff. I'm not sure um it could be his married daughters, and he was just concerned that they were keeping Tara Samishbacha properly. I'm not sure um yeah, very good question um so so that was so again, that was his concern once yes. Yeah, it's definitely not. It's definitely not. It's not so clear what the source of the issur is. If I remember cl- correctly, the Rambam learns that it's Asur because we're not allowed to follow the practice Else, In the Chumash, it says we're not allowed to follow the practices of the Mitrim and this is one of the practices of the Mitrim. But it's not so clear. The issue with uh, with lesbianism is not so clear. Um or homosexuality between men is brought very explicitly in the Pop that it's osur. But by lesbianism, it's not so uh, clear. Um, so back to our point. So again, Avuah Shmuel was um, would set up these mikvahs because he was concerned that there would be so much rainwater in the Euphrates that they wouldn't be going in a that it would be rainwater which was flowing, which is an invalid, which is invalid for tvi'la. Or plega the and he's actually arguing on his son Shmuel. The Shmuel, Shmuel said, Nahara Mivrach, You can generally assume that a river just swells from itself. It's not rainwater that's making the Euphrates swell. It's just it's for whatever reason the spring is making more water. Or day, but we actually find that Shmuel contradicts himself. The Omer Shmuel Shmuel says, pras Says you. Um, You can't go in flowing water except in Tishrei, except when you can be confident that it's not from rainwater because it's the end of the, it's the driest point in the season and it must just be the spring water. So here, the second teaching of Shmuel seems to say it has to be done in a, um, that you have to be concerned that there's rainwater in a river. So again, just Shmuel's very interesting. What's Shmuel saying? That, on the one hand, we see Shmuel saying you can assume that a river fills up by itself it's not specifically from rainwater and on the other hand we see that um shmuel comes along and says no um you can only use a river for tahara to purify to go to mikveh when uh, in the, the euphrates in tishra when you can be confident that it's just spring water and not rainwater." and what someone to resolve that shmuel's shmuel was saying in general you can rel- you can uh In general, my principle is true that rivers will very often swell just because of the spring and not because of rainwater, but you never know. You don't know why is the river swelling, why is it fuller than usual? Is it because there's rainwater in or is it because the spring just uh, made more water flow? And therefore you have to be careful and you can't go in a river. That's something to keep in mind. And um, Sometimes people think they're on holiday and they need to go to mikveh or they need to do Tvilus Kalin, they brought some, a pot with it, they forgot to Tovil or they it or whatever it is. Um, they want to, uh, so they want to do uh, Tvila's um and they just go to the closest river. You've got to be careful. You can't always just rely on a river that it's not, maybe it's a river that's filled by rainwater and then it's not a good mikveh, it's not good for Tvila anymore. Okay, that's, what sounds, that's a secondary discussion to be had. Um, okay, we have um, just over five minutes. I'm going to try finish within that time. If we don't, then uh, just re-log on if we get cut off. Um, if, I'm going to go to the mission at the bottom of the page. So we mentioned in the Mishnah Propros, a woman can use the stone. Oh, I've got to tell her. So it could be, you put something in your, on the end of, this will be a good illustration, you take something like this and you put it in your garment like that, and now you've got a big bulge, and if you have a strap on the other side, it will clip and fasten it. So that's what we're discussing. You're putting a stone, uh, what did we mentioned, a stone, a nut, or a coin in there to fasten it. to And, and then it, hold, it holds it in place. So, are you allowed to um, do that on Shabbos? So, he said she is allowed to do that on Shabbos. Again, it's not con- it's considered part of the clothes. It says, The safer said, etc. The safer came along and said, You can put a stone, coin, and nut in as long as you do it from the area of Shabbos. But earlier on, the safer said, but the Rasha said you can do it, you can put it in, I I'm am implying even on Shabbos. So, Omanabaya say for us in the Mapeah, no, it's coming to teach us by a stone. A stone is Moksa, and therefore if you just just think to use it on Shabbos, oh, tomorrow when I wear that dress, I'm going to use a stone as a thing, that's not good enough, you have to do it on Erev Shabbos. But the nut and the coin are not that degree, of Moksa, and even if you decide to use them on Shabbos, it would be fine. Says boya Bye bye Says is a woman allowed to? She's her child crying in the street and she needs to calm him down. So she wants to put a nut in a garment like I showed you and get it. Use that trick to carry it to her son. Is she allowed to do that trick? Again, she her, her motivation is not to fasten her clothes. Her motivation is to carry this nut in a mutar way to get it to her son. Is she allowed to do that? Um, let's let's finish, and I'll discuss key belts at the end. Otherwise, I'll put a note on the group about them. It says boy, um, so boy I buy a... And so so that's his question. So the Gemara says, And you can ask this question according to the ones who say you can do this trick and according to the ones who say you cannot do a trick. What's the trick is discussing? The Chazal forbade someone to carry a lot of... If their house is on fire, they're not allowed to carry a lot of their property out, even where it's muta to carry out. The concern is he'll get so caught up in saving his property... That he will put out the fire, but so the, there's a machlokas there. Can he put on a lot of clothes? The one opinion says no. That's just tricking, because I'll say you're not allowed to carry too much out, and the other opinion says no. You are allowed to just wear a lot of clothes because by putting the clothes on, that will remind you that you're saving your clothes, but you're not really allowed to um, do. Um, you're not really allowed to. Put out the fire. So, so he says, how do we ask for both? So, By a fire, we don't allow him to do the trick because if he's putting on his clothes and he's getting caught up with saving his food, he's going to come to... Put out the fire which is here if you tell her she's not allowed to take this uh, the stone to her this nut to her child she just won't do it it's not the end of the world she's not going to come to do an so therefore we don't have the concern here even according to the one who says there the problem by the fire is his concern is you might come to carry um, sorry, it's the way you carry things out. Sometimes when a person has to transport food, uh, clothes, they just put them on. So carrying clothes out by putting three jackets on is a normal way of carrying. So how's that a heck? How's that going to remind you not to get caught up and put out the fire? No one ever said, you know what, I want to carry nuts. Let me use them as buttons in my clothes that's never how people carry so when she does it shapidami so maybe she's allowed to and taiku we leave it unresolved what do you do with the taiku so the general principle of taiku i mean taiku means the other oh, is not answering so the one thing it represents is tishpi yovo T- uh, sorry tishpo kushios tishpi Tishbi, Etzareh, Kusha, The Tishbi, Eliyahu Anovi will come and answer them. But what we do in the meantime, till Eliyahu Anovi, which hopefully should come very soon and give us good news um, of oh, Mashiach, is we, if it's right, so we go strict. If it's Darabon, and you can go lenient. Okay, so this would be depending that she want to carry this nut to her child in Rashus Harabim, or does she want to carry this nut to her child in Chotar, uh, in, in where it's Issued Rabbonne, that's how many of the, we're showing him Paskin, that's how we would Paskin in this case.